welcome to the Fromer Travel Show. I'm your host, Pauline Fromer. Thank you to those of you who are joining me live on Colin, and also thank you for those of you who are, but you're uh, you're listening to this podcast later on. So welcome to all, and welcome to my guest who I'm speaking to in the City of Light. She is Anna Brooke. She has been the author of Fromer Guides for many years. Currently, she writes The Fromer's Easy Guide to Paris, which is going to be in bookstores near you uh, starting the day after Valentine's Day. It goes on sale February 15th. Welcome to the Fromer podcast, Anna. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's lovely to (laughs) to be speaking about Paris at the moment. Well, yes. Well, you are in Paris. You've been there for the entire pandemic. What has that been like? Well, it was quiet when everything uh, everything closed down. Mm-hmm. Um, I could actually sleep with the window open, which was the first. Wow! <laughs> um, and uh, what part yeah. of Paris do you live in? Are you so in a loud I area? The, I live in the eleventh, which mm. is um, northeast, um, between Bastille and Nation. If um, if anyone uh-huh. has, ever looks at a map, yes. It. Um, well, that's a funky, fun neighborhood. That's your, you're like a hipster neighborhood. It's one of my favorite neighborhoods. Yeah, it's it's um it's where it's all happening. Right. So, so it was quiet for a while, and then it seemed like last spring things were picking up again, and that's when we said to you, "Let's get working on the the, the Paris book again. Let's let's start writing this this guidebook again." And with other guidebooks, I'm actually the author of the New York City one. And for me, it was a huge monumental task because 25% of the hotels that I covered in the book had gone out of business and 25% of the wow. restaurants. Did, did you find a similar thing in Paris or, or was there, was it a different scenario there? So I, I would say it was different. There were, of course, a few pl- a few places that that happened to, but generally speaking, um, the government gave out billions um, to restaurants and hotels and shops so that they could mm. stay open, and it seems to have worked because there aren't many places that I know of that have actually closed. Certainly around me, everywhere that was open before, in terms of restaurants and cafes and shops. Um, are still open now. Wow! And um, yeah, there are even a few a few new places that that op- that managed to open. So wow! Yeah, Our... no, I think it's been very different here. Ah, so so it wasn't so big a job. You know, it's funny. I think probably the edition before this edition was probably a bigger job because we were just about to go to press. And Notre Dame caught fire. And so much, yeah, so much in Paris has to do with Notre Dame. So what's happening with that now? Yeah, so um, so Notre Dame is the official date, supposed to be opening in April 2024. Wow. um, Which is actually quite soon. It's not quite the five years that um, President Macron promised it would be. Uh Um, But um, yeah, so... So it's set to reopen. So if you go around up to the cathedral now, they have um, fences all around that have very detailed photos of the fire and the work mm. that's been going on. Right. Um, yeah, so you can sort of watch it from the uh, 
from the from the riverside. You can see them still working on it with the scaffolding and things. But yeah, 2024, which is very very fast for such a devastating tragedy. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, that is very fast. I'm I'm amazed. I remember when it happened, people were saying it could be 20 years before it reopened. What do you What do you think went right? I have no idea. <laughs> well, they, they 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 received so much money, didn't they, from lots of private uh, private donors as sure. soon as the fire started. So perhaps that's helped push things along. I, I have no idea. Hmm. And I know that they they've opened something called Flyview for people who want to kind of experience Notre Dame in the meantime. What is that? And is it yeah? Worth so it? Fly, so Flyview. It's actually nothing to do with Notre Dame, huh. um, but they um, they're they're, um, they're a virtual reality company that have their office. Well, they're not really offices. They they've made a mock up airport by Opera, um, and it's really it's really quite cool. So already before the fire, they had these VR tours that you could do with a pretend jetpack and you could fly over Paris. <laughs> and it was uh, even for me, I've been here like twenty years now. And for me, as a Parisian, it was fantastic. So hmm. for, for people who were, who were visiting, it's, it's excellent too. And then there was the fire. Right. In and, Notre um, Dame, for anybody in tuning in, in late. In Notre Dame. And they managed to somehow get footage. So I think they'd already filmed in the cathedral. And oh. then they managed to get inside the cathedral during the, the, the reconstruction works. So in fact, there's now a tour you can do where you can see Notre Dame in virtual reality, see Notre Dame before hmm. and see Notre Dame at the moment before it reopens. Wow. So, yeah. So it's, yeah. Will they, do you think they'll keep that tour? Because I think that would be fascinating even once it's, once the cathedral is reopened in April of 2024. Me too. I hope they do. Yeah. I have no yeah. idea whether they'll keep it, but they, they, um, yeah, they're sort of specialised in Paris, so it would make sense for them to keep it, but we'll, we'll find out. Yeah, and that must be so interesting. I mean, one of my favourite things about Notre Dame was going way up uh, among the gargoyles and seeing Paris laid out at your feet. And I always noticed different things. With this virtual reality, did you see aspects of Paris that you had never seen before because oh, of the views yeah. it gave you? Yes, completely. So, so one, so the 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 tour that's just for Paris without the big going inside Notre Dame includes Notre Dame. Um, but yeah, you sort of swoop, you swoop over the Seine, um, mm. so you get to see the bridges up close. You, um, the in a Place de la Concorde, there's the the ancient needle um, mm. that's that's in the middle of the of the square, and you can, um, yeah, you sort of fly around it so you can see all the hieroglyph oh, hieroglyphics wow. all around it um that's yeah, so lived in cool. notre dame you get up close to right um the gargoyles yeah so many years ago this is reminding me this is totally off subject but uh in columbus circle in new york city there's a big uh tower and a statue of Columbus at the very top. And an artist decided to build a living room around the statue. And he, they, they gave out free tickets and you would climb up the stairs and you could be face to face with the statue that nobody has seen, you know, within inches, you know, since it was erected maybe a hundred years ago. 
Uh, and it, 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 it's so interesting when you get to see things that you think you know well yeah, from completely. different angles. So, so, yeah, even so, even for, for me, having lived close to Bastille for so many years, um, on, on this particular VR tour, I um, discovered that underneath the, um, the column, which is the, the, in the centre of the, of the square where the, the Bastille prison used to be, you know, it was all right. this um, revolutionary history. But underneath it, when they put the column in, I think it was in the 19th century, there are some tombs below. Huh. And you can sort of, well, you can visit the tombs. And, um, well, from the outside, obviously. Right, right. <laughs> no skeletons. Um, and... Um, yeah, and I, I I didn't know they were there. And in fact, at some point, that they haven't. They there was there was talk of it being this year, but that news seems to have disappeared. But they were talking about opening up the to, in, having a little museum underneath the Bastille column with these tombs, so you could visit them. So I don't know when that's coming, but that was something that we were able to see in the VR tour as well. Very interesting. Well, it's all Paris from a different angle. And when we were talking earlier in the week. You told me that you think, now we should say, uh, we start, Anna and I started today with her sending me a notice that the U.S. State Department has just put France on the do not visit list. And, and <laughs> Anna asked if we should cancel. And I, I thought, no, you know, there are a hundred countries right now uh, on the do not travel list. And we know that Omicron is peaking and will hopefully be gone soon or not gone. Uh, you know, who knows? I, I Whenever I have yeah. to talk about COVID, I'm, it makes me so nervous because so much is, is unclear. But many people who are smarter than I am seem to think this thing is going to become endemic and that we'll learn to live with it. And, and just as... Paris was a no-go zone earlier in the pandemic, and then it opened up again. I'm sure it will open up again soon. And it just has to. Don't you think, Yeah, Anna? I'm sure it will too, yeah. Yeah, and you were saying to me before we knew about this warning that right now is kind of an ideal time to go to Paris because I, you, you'll get a different vision of the city and experience yeah, of the city, because, right? Because there are no tourists. Hmm. So you'll get to be in the city... Um, and live it like a local. Even, in fact, how the locals are living it now, because even locals live with the tourists most of the year. Right. Um, but it means you don't have to wait in lines for museums. You still have to, especially with, with COVID, you have to buy tickets in advance, but you don't have the long lines that you were getting. Um, restaurants, you can generally get a table, even in the in the most popular places mm. where, you know, you might have had a, um, a few weeks on a waiting list. Well, right. you can generally get in. Um, yeah. And also, I think one big bonus is that um, over the last two years, a lot of the hotels um, renovated. They used oh. the time to do renovation, renovations that they wouldn't usually have perhaps had the time to do. Um, and so there were lots of places that are looking really pretty and mm. uh a desperate to welcome them people. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, what about the practicalities? Right now, anywhere you go internationally, you have to get a PCR test to come back. And I have a dear friend who almost got stranded in Ireland 
because she had been told she could just waltz into the airport the morning of her flight and easily get a, a test at the clinic in in mm. Dublin's airport. Mm. And luckily, she checked it the day before and found out they weren't taking walk-ins anymore. Oh, wow. <laughs> and that there wasn't an appointment for weeks. And she finally got help from the U.S. Embassy. Is that the case in Paris or is it fairly easy to get a PCR test? Um, it's very easy. Um, we've been having to do them regularly because our son's at school. And of course, mm. every time there's been a case at school, we've had to rush back and, and do a test. And um, yeah, so the pharmacies have been set up all over the city um, to be able to do them on site. And they have little tents outside the front door um, where they do where they do the test. And generally, you get the results in about less than half an hour. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Very, very efficient at the moment. So, and there's enough of these tents. You don't, you don't have to worry about showing up and there being a line around the block. No, there's enough. Yeah, yeah. There's enough. Oh, that's great. And I know also for France, you need to have a QR code to get into restaurants and museums and the like, right? How do Americans deal with that? Yes. So this is a very important detail because I've had family come over from Canada and Mm. um, not realize that they couldn't, um, they needed a French pass. So, yeah, so the government's just changed it to make it easier, thank goodness, because my father-in-law had to wait 22 days for his. (laughs) So it was lucky he was staying for a long time. Um, And um, yeah, so now you can just go into a pharmacy. You need to show documentation to prove that you've been vaccinated um the dates of it i think you need your passport things like that and then the farm um certain pharmacies have been given the authority to give you your um vaccination status qr code that Mm. will serve as a pass right um so i think the best advice i would have is to check the US Embassy for France website because all of that information will be on it and I um, and I think there's a list of pharmacies that will do that I'm not sure whether it is every pharmacy but um, yeah if people could should check that um, but it costs about 40 40 dollars uh-huh. um, and it's only for um, people who are 16 and over so kids don't need a pass to get in anywhere so it's just uh-huh. for just for interesting up. interesting all right so we know that a lot of hotels have spiffed up uh what else are we seeing are there any new attractions in paris i mean it's a city that's you think of it as being timeless and very old-fashioned but it's always changing right yeah exactly yeah so um so there are a few biggies actually that have um opened over the last uh, last year um, so one of them is the, it's called the Hotel, Hotel de la Marine on Place de la Concorde. And so a hotel in French doesn't necessarily mean it's a hotel where you sleep. Right. It can also mean a, um, a stately home or a palatial building. And in this case, it's definitely that. It's, um, it was, um, built in the 18th century to house the royal furniture collection, as you do. Um, so it's a <laughs> sumptuous neoclassical, um, sort of mirror image of the Crillon Hotel, which is on the other side of the of, of, of Concorde, um, and it um, yes, and so it used to belong after when after the revolution, it became the French Navy Ministry, um, and uh, recently it's 
become a museum. So it's, huh. it's, um, it's got the Tani, the Altani art collection inside. Um, I've never so heard of Altani. Who is he? So, so he's a Qatari royal, oh. um, and a, a massive art collector. Wow. And he's donated his collection or part of his collection for the next 20 years. So it's got amazing things from Egyptian treasures. There's, um, sculptures from the Han dynasty. Um, wow. Mayan In China. Masks. In hmm. China, yes, yes. So from all over the world, he's just been oh, collecting all yeah. of this stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, so there's this fantastic collection to see. And then, of course, the building, which is, hasn't been open to the public. Mm. So, um, so, yeah, so that's a good one. And um, and also, um, if anyone's been to Paris before, they might have remembered that Chatelilial was, was a big shopping area. And for years, there was this controversial revamping of Lial, which used to be the the old marketplace that had it right. in the, the old 19th century beautiful market um, and then they kind of destroyed it, it they torn just down yeah, bulldozed right. it and 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 put this awful looking mall in its place that's right yeah yeah and um and so they've yeah they've done it up um with a, so the the outside is now a big park um, and then the entrance to the shopping mall, which is underground, has, has shops and things. It's much chicer. And it appears to have really given what well, kickstarted the area. So, um, so last year, or it, yes, that just at the end of last year, there was, um, also in Chatelet, there's, uh, La Samaritaine department store, mm-hmm. which was closed for years. It's an, um, Art Nouveau, beautiful art, um, building on the, on the riverside. Oh wow! Um, and that's reopened. It's um, Louis Vuitton, LVMH, um, are doing hmm. yeah, providing all of the, the the goods, the goods, yeah, and they're and they're French orientated goods, so it's wow. um, stands apart from the other department stores. Ooh, la, that's la. right by Lial, and it's sort of creating this golden triangle because just further up the road, there's also um, the old. Um, Post du Louvre, which used to be a 24 hour post office. And now it's been converted into a mall with a, a posh hotel. And just close to it is also the new, um, Collection Pinot, which is in the beautiful circular Bourse du Commerce building. Hmm. Um, so it used to be the old commodities exchange building and it's a contemporary art, um, Collection. Oh, interesting. So another yeah. new museum. Yes, <laughs> now, exactly. Well, yeah. Thank goodness, because Paris has hardly any of oh, those. Oh, yeah, there are none. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how, what, what kind of, so it's contemporary art from all over the world or from just France? Um, it's the Pinot collection. So it's um, Francois Pinot, who is, um, who's a big, um, a big business man over here. Um, and I think there's stuff from his collection and they're also hmm. having temporary ex- exhibitions. So uh, I know that at the moment, um, until June, there's the, um, there are works by the Japanese photographer Noboyoshi Araki. Hope I pronounced hmm. it correctly. Um, with lots of beautiful black and white photos, um, exploring muses and his life, um, as a widower because his wife for many, many years was his muse. Interesting. Um, so that's so, um, that's going on at the moment. So yeah. you go to 
you go to uh, Paris to see Japanese photos. <laughs> yes, exactly, <laughs> but that's yeah. how it is. I was I, I went to a media event yesterday, and I spoke with a woman who represents Berlin, and they're getting a samurai museum uh, oh. this year. It's like, why is there a samurai museum in Berlin? I have no idea, <laughs> but I think it, you know it should be an interesting thing to see. Uh, so what's what's happening with the food scene? Paris is still always in the avant-garde for that, I think. Uh, so what are we seeing in terms of, of the trends in, in food? Um, so food-wise, I would say there were two things going on. Because, of course, lockdown, you know, there wasn't much going on in the restaurant sure. scene. But, it, yeah. um, but uh, it's really, um, yeah, it's really come alive again. So there are, I would say, one big theme is farm to table stuff. Parisians have always been very um, into where tracing their ingredients and things. Um, but more than just in restaurants, there are local shops that are opening up. Mm. So farm to table high street places where you can go and buy potatoes straight from uh, Picardy and things like that. Um, and that's really good if you're, you know, if you're renting. Oh, that's so surprising. You know, the last yeah. time I was in Paris, I took a market to a kitchen cooking class and we went to, to one of these outdoor markets. And what was surprising to me was, unlike in my hometown of New York City, where the farmers come in, these were these were almost industrial vegetables. I mean, they all came from a big, big farms, not from yeah. little family farms uh, that were being sold in this beautiful open market. And it, it felt less artisanal uh, than I thought it would in France. But I guess that's changing in Paris now. Yes. Well, of course, there's the, um, the, the Rangis. So when Léal, getting back to Léal, when the Al market was, um, was taken out, um, it was all moved to Rangis, which is um, in the suburbs. Mm. Um, and a lot of places now get their stuff from centralized from Rangis. Right. So you still do get the farm farmers market stands and things, but they're a lot they're a lot they tend to be peppered with um with the the Rangis stores as um, stands as yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah so right. perhaps so- this is a, a counter movement to that, making sure that yeah, you get your farm yeah. Produce. yeah, that you 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 know who the who actually grew it rather than yep. it being some kind of big uh, factory farm. Yeah. Uh, so and, you and said there were two organic as well. Um, ah. Parisians are totally mad about organic food. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, that's terrific. That's terrific. And what's the other big trend? So the French are going mad for food courts at the moment. So, huh. so this American style food courts in a way, <laughs> or or Anglophone style style food courts. So um, yeah. So it it started with a couple of places. So there's um there's the chic street called Beau Passage in the seventh, where lots of famous chefs have invested the whole of them of the buildings along this little passage um, with restaurants and, and all sort of food related shops and things. Um, and then on the other end of the scale, there was the um, ground control, which is sort of a hip food court hmm. in, um, in the old train warehouses by Gare de Lyon. Ah. Um, and so you've got these two, yeah, these two things that have, were, 
sort of one of the first of them. I can't speak tonight. No, um, you're speaking beautifully. <laughs> <laughs> in my day speaking French. Um, they, they were, yeah, they were f- one of the first um, to, to do it. And then there are loads huh. of other places that have opened. So, so um, when you so, say a food court, I mean, when I think food court here in the U.S., there's high-end food courts and there's low-end ones. And low-end ones are in like malls and you have Aunt Annie's pretzels and you have Burger King and you have a lot of chains next to one another and the smell of grease. And then you have high-end food courts, which are very, very fun uh, places where local food vendors are showcasing maybe you know, Spanish tapas or yeah. uh, Chinese food. Yeah, international a, street food and things like right, that. Right, but a very yeah. specific region of China. So it, in France, is it high-end or low-end? It's high-end. Yeah, ah, it's high-end. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, and it's sort of co- and covering everything, not just French food. Hmm. Um, yeah. Oh, how fun. Yeah. Oh, that sounds great. There's well, a, there's what a even, lovely, what a lovely addition! What were you about to say? I'm sorry. Yes, and I was going to say that there's, a, there's even a, an absolutely massive one, which um, I don't know whether it still is, but at one point it was um, it was hailed as Europe's biggest food court for um, international street food, and uh, it's called Felicita, Felicita, sorry, in the thirteenth, hmm. um, which is by Bibliotheque on the on the left bank, and um, and yeah just loads and loads of of stalls and events and DJs and all Oh sorts. wow. Yeah. Oh, it sounds like so much fun. All right, so we've heard a little bit about what's new in Paris. What's old at Paris? What are some of the sites uh that people don't know to visit? Uh this will be for maybe first-time visitors who want to see the Louvre, yes, and climb the Eiffel Tower. You have to do that if you, it's your first time in Paris. But what are some of the other cultural sites that a lot of people miss? Well, whenever I get asked that, I always send people to the Musée Jacquemart André because it's just so beautiful. Um, <laughs> um, so this is a an art museum not very far from the Champs-Élysées. So if you wanted to go and visit the Arc de Triomphe and walk, walk down the famous oh. avenue, you could, you could, and then just veer off at, at some point towards this museum. Um, and it's a neoclassical mansion mm-hmm. built in the 19th century by, um, an art collector and his wife. Um, and it's just sumptuous. So everything inside, um, are, there was the period rooms inside. Um, and hanging on the walls are 18th century artworks and artworks from the Renaissance. By like and Rembrandt then, and, and, and you could, yes, Fragonard and major names. And Aletto, yes, you could, they could easily be in the Louvre. Um, and yeah, they're just in this sumptuous mansion. And it's got, I think it's probably one of my favorite rooms of all the places I've visited in museums in Paris. Um, the Winter Garden. Hmm. which is um, dripping in marble with a glass roof and this beautiful double staircase and plants and things. It's really, yeah, it's really stunning. Yeah, well, what I love about the Jacquemart André, and my, I'm mangling the pronunciation too many years since I took French, is that you you see that somebody lived 
among these great masterpieces. Yes. You, you see what that lifestyle was like. Uh, yeah. And it's it's astonishing uh, at this incredible museum and they have the most wonderful cafe there. I love I love going to the tea room. It's a great place for lunch because that's in the former dining room, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of my favorite places for cake. They do excellent <laughs> chocolate cake. <laughs> yeah. And so uh give me two more. What what are two other places that um, you think people So, miss? I would say so I am a huge um, musical fan. I love Les Miserables and, of course, mm. the book. You know um, that I toured in that when I was in my 20s. <laughs> did you? Yes, I, I understudied Eponine and Cosette. Aha! Uh-huh. Oh, <laughs> and a whole other another life I didn't another know, life. know about. Yes, but anyway. Excellent. <laughs> That'll be for the next podcast. Yes. Um, and, um, yes, yeah, so there's the Maison de Victor Hugo, which is the house where Victor Hugo lived on Place des Vosges. And Place des Vosges is a beautiful square in the Marais, all made of pink brick. And it was it was called the Royal Square for a while because it was Henry the Fourth who had it commissioned. And um, and it's got arcades that are filled with art galleries nowadays. And in tucked away in the corner is the Maison de Victor Hugo, which is completely free to get into. It's one of the the Paris's oh, free nice. museums. Wow. Um, and it's very small, but you mm-hmm. get to see the rooms where he wrote part of Les Miserables. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's full of objects that are linked to his life. And, um, yes, well, again, more period rooms. Um, and they've got a fantastic cafe, another cafe in a museum. Right. Um, in, in, a, in the garden, uh, which just makes for a really nice, stop away from the crowds because there aren't many people who know about it well and it's small sometimes i get museum weariness uh in paris because you you go to the louvre and you could spend months in there and not see everything and it it can feel overwhelming but in these bite-sized museums like the maison victor hugo and the jacquemart andre you spend an hour you know, wandering around, you see everything. You don't have to yeah. feel guilty, and you haven't had to rush or deal with crowds. Um, there was one more. What is what is the last uh, hidden gem you would recommend? So the last one is a place that's not very far from me, and I I would recommend it for alternative visits because it, it's called Atelier des Lumières, and it's an immersive light museum. So it's set in a in a former foundry. So big spaces and onto the walls are projected monumental um, versions of very famous paintings. So you hmm. feel like you're literally walking through a painting. Wow. Um, and uh, it, it could give you that edgier side of the city. Um, Is that and- where the interactive Van Gogh uh, yes. experience started? Because that's exactly. all over the world now and people are yes. loving it. Yeah, that's right. And well, this time, so maybe it'll be elsewhere as well afterwards. There's Cezanne and his work on Provence that's going to be um, shown as of mid-February, I think. Hmm. Interesting. I wonder if Cezanne has the same pull as Van Gogh. I think Van Gogh was a, a home run for them. They've been able to do that all over the world because people are very passionate about Van Gogh. It'll be interesting to see if Cezanne will draw the crowds too. Do you think yeah. he, they, he will? I, I think they will in Paris. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know about internationally, but yeah, no. 
Suzanne's very well loved well, by the French. So, well, I I thank you so much for staying up late <laughs> in Paris. What time is it there right now? It is half past eleven. Oh, so almost midnight. Wow, it's almost yes, almost the next day. <laughs> Almost the witching hour. Well, it's been a delight speaking with you. And, and uh, just for anybody listening, uh, Anna's book, uh, which is called Fromer's Easy Guide to Paris. Once again, it comes out the day after Valentine's Day. But you could pre-order it maybe and tell your tell your sweetheart that you're getting it for them and, and you're taking them to Paris, which is still, I think, one of the greatest cities in the world. You can just go over and over and over and, and never get bored with it. Uh, thanks again. That's a pleasure. Thank you to you too. All right. And take, take care. Yes, take care. And uh, and to all of my listeners, I think we will say, uh, I was going to say arrivederci, but that's not the right language. I would say, uh, well, to those who are traveling, uh, and I hope you will be soon, may I wish everybody a hearty Bon voyage. I'll be back next week on call in again, and I'll be doing it at my usual time, which is Thursday at 6 p.m. Thanks so much and have a wonderful week. Watching cable